In the spirit and celebration of the Beijing Summer Olympics, ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, is happy to present this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. Running with a passion. Road running events in the United States has grown across all distances and sizes in 2006, with a total of 8.5 million finishers. When you have a passion for practicing medicine, what can you achieve when you bring that passion to your sport? You're listening to ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Charles Vanderhorst from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Dr. Vanderhorst is a professor of medicine, associate chief in the Division of Infectious Diseases, and he's director of the AIDS Clinical Trials Unit at UNC. He has been conducting HIV and AIDS clinical research since 1986. He's been working in South Africa and in Africa, enhancing the care of patients with HIV infection in those countries as well as in the United States. Today we're going to discuss running with a passion, and thank you for being here today. Thank you, Cher. It's great to be here. Now, tell us how long you have been running. You've been a pioneer in HIV research. We know that for 27 years. But when and why did you start running? Well, I've been running competitively for about five years now. I ran in medical school with friends, but not, nothing to compete. I'd been a captain of the varsity swim team when I was at Duke University as an undergrad. But then I was running for a number of years, and then I started swimming competitively. And it wasn't until about five years ago when I started running competitively. And I just liked it. I think I started running because I'd actually hurt my shoulder, so I had to stop swimming for a while. And I enjoyed it, and it turns out I was pretty good at it. Now, you're very passionate about your research. How does that passion transfer over to running? Tell us about your commitment. Well, it turns out that the same things that I bring to my research and patient care, which are perseverance and actually competitiveness, are something that I bring to running as well. In fact, the competitiveness was a little surprise to me that I, I really do like to beat people. <laughs> do you do that in your research, too? Yeah, right. That's why I like I like writing grants and solving problems before someone else and getting an answer faster first. Did you ever receive any professional advice from a trainer, either at UNC or anyplace else uh, on running, or you just develop your own program? Well, no, there's a great, you know, my buddies comment and we help each other about what to do in preparation for a race. But there's a great website at Furman University. They have a, a, a group there of faculty in sports physiology who sort of studied running. And they, I went onto the website. There had been an article in Runner's World about them. And I printed out their schedule for running your first marathon, which I did this past October. And it's about a 16-week schedule where you run three times a week. One is a distance run, one is a track run, and one is sort of a medium-paced run, so six to eight miles. And what struck me was how similar that is to our swimming workouts, that it's really important if you want to run fast, no matter what distance, whether you're doing sprints or marathons, you have to practice fast at least once a week. And it's the same thing with swimming. So if you just put in the yards, you're never going to be fast. You'll be strong and you can go forever, but you won't be fast. And so I did that workout and it paid off. Now, many physicians listening to us are runners already, so a lot of us have an interest in this topic. Tell us a little bit about your program that let you qualify and train for the Boston Marathon, because that's quite an achievement. 
It's up there with getting an NIH grant to study HIV in Africa, right? Well, what happened is that I, I did that workout, and I would get other people to do it with me. It's a useful to three times a week is great because I don't like doing something every day. I like doing other sports, like lifting weights twice a week I do, and I'll swim three or four times a week, and maybe a spin class or a bike ride tossed in there. So I like doing all that other stuff, and I didn't want to just run seven days a week. And so this was a perfect system, the three times a week. And the distance ones for, for my first marathon, we did build up to maybe 20 miles once, but there weren't a lot of really long runs, which was probably good for the first time because otherwise I would have gotten bored or a little overwhelmed with the process. And the race was the Biz Johnson Marathon, which is the most stunning marathon in America, it has to be. It's in the Sierra Nevada Mountains in California. You actually fly into Reno to drive up there. And it looked like you were running in an Ansel Adams painting. So there was no telephone poles, no traffic or roads. And it was just mountains and gorgeous, snow-capped mountains. And we had a beautiful day. It was, you know, the difficult thing, it was a mile high, and I hadn't trained for that. And it was cold. It started out below freezing, but it just was so much fun to do it, and I enjoyed it so much. And then I ended up winning my age group, and the qualifying time for Boston for a 56-year-old is three hours and 40 minutes, and I did 3.26 and some change and qualified, and I won my age group, so I was really excited, and that's the way it is. I'm, I'm glad you told us, because otherwise I would have had to ask what your qualifying time is, because everybody out there is listening to this and, you know, kind of wanted to know how close they are. Now, your work involves a lot of traveling, and sometimes you got long flights to Africa and South Africa, and I was reading some information, some articles on you, and they said you can turn these plane aisles into a gym. You want to tell us about that? I'm sort of nutty about needing to exercise, and so if I have a layover in London for 18 hours on the way to Africa, Africa, I'll take the subway into the city and find a swing pool to go work out with a master swim team. Or in Germany, there's a great forest next to the Frankfurt airport, and it's a wonderful place to go run for miles and miles and miles on these great sort of bridal paths. But perhaps, Mike, the craziest thing I did is I was on the uh, South Africa Airways flight, which is a direct flight from Johannesburg to I think it was New York at the time, and it's an 18-hour flight with a one-hour uh, fueling stop. And halfway through the flight, I went in and changed into my gym clothes and then did a full hour of calisthenics and abdominals and tricep dips and push-ups in the aisle and lunges and things like that and squats. And I did all that, and then I went up to the steward and I said, you know, those little hot towels that you pass out, can I have like 20 of them? And they gave me, they were very obliging. And I went in and did a sponge bath and dried off and went back to sleep. Did anyone say anything to you doing that in the aisles? They thought I was pretty crazy, but no one bothered me. There's a lot of psychological benefits of running that come from some of the physiological aspects, which release endorphins and more. Do you want to comment on that or the effect it's had on you? Well, I think it's well known that any exercise, not just running, any exercise of high intensity can make you feel better. And if you talk to runners and swimmers, they will uniformly say that the two things that are driving them besides their competitive urges are, one, is that they get to eat 3,000 calories a day, and two, that it makes them feel better. They function better at work, their head is clearer, and 
even going so far as that it helps depression. And I firmly believe that if I don't exercise in a day, I become moribund. And, uh, you know, I have hard work to do here. I deal with dying babies in Africa and despite everything that I want to do and try to protect them and save them, I still I'm not God. I can't solve everything. And, you know, I either I'm going to blow my brains out or I'm going to go running. And one of the more inspirational people I met, two of the more inspirational people I met, is when I was running the Biz Johnson Marathon, I met this young woman who has lupus, and she'd lost all her toes. And she's about 30 years younger than me, and she was running it. And, you know, she had just had nearly lost her, her sight because of her lupus, and she ran it. I ran a 24-hour relay with a young woman from Chicago who has insulin-dependent diabetes. And in those relays, you usually have teams of 9 to 12 people that run up to 10K, 3 10K legs over a 24-hour period, and they're enormous amounts of fun. And, you know, here I was bitching about my feeling short of breath, etc. And she was checking her glucose and then giving herself insulin and figuring out that on her next leg she had to give the insulin in the middle of the run. And then I met another woman who was a grandmother in, in Johannesburg, South Africa, and uh, infected with HIV, and she was an ultramarathoner. And I said, so why'd you start running? And she said, well, you know, when life gets tough, I just start running. And so I think that a lot of people have discovered this. So what have you else have you learned about yourself from running? That I have much more endurance than I thought I did, that I really do like to compete. I particularly like to, to run faster than my students, and that how dependent I am on it, and that how you can push yourself through pain. You learn a lot when you do this kind of endurance kind of running. And I agree. We get dependent on running, but I'd much rather be dependent on running than dependent on other things. Do you go to a sports medicine doctor when you're injured, or do you, a physician, just treat yourself? No, I try to listen to people. There, I go to a sports medicine doctor if I've hurt my shoulder or but they usually, I mean, really good sports medicine doctors, they don't operate. They send you to good physical therapists. I swear by the physical therapist who actually is for the Carolina Tar Heel basketball team. He's just saved me my shoulder and my knee. I've had some major injuries. When on my second trip to Africa, I shattered my right knee in a freak accident, and I ended up running better afterwards than I was before. So I swear by good sports medicine doctors and physical therapists. And I bet you're a strong advocate of stretching? Very much so. Very important to stretch no matter what your age is. And I think after age of 40 that you need to to do weights twice a week if you really want to compete. What about the chance to give back to the community as a runner? There's a lot of fundraising. I ran in St. Jude's Children's Hospital for my first half marathon, and sometimes you just lend your name to an event and it helps. Have you done any of that in North Carolina or elsewhere? Yes, I have. I particularly like the Elizabeth Komen races for breast cancer, and I always like to think of those people I've known, my wife's aunt and grandmother who passed away from breast cancer. They're very courageous people, and I, I keep a vision of them as I'm trying to get under 20 minutes for a 5K. So yes, I like doing the fundraisers. The 24-hour relay I did in California with uh, 11 other folks was benefiting a California organ donation program. And I, I think that's nice that we do things like that. So from the, the patient's perspective, what questions should the PCP, suppose you're listening to this program and you're not a runner, but what should you be asking your patients who are runners or long-distance runners that you may not think to ask? Because really it affects your whole exam, it affects your complaints, it affects your health during the year. 
I would say that I'd want to know if there are places where it hurts and to make sure they are stretching well and that they get good running shoes. I think that's important. What I'm more concerned as a physician, given the obesity epidemic that we have, whether you're looking at HIV patients these days or even general medicine patients, that how can we get those people off their rear ends and to start running and doing things? And I think one of the problems with that is that people look at it as is sort of an all-or-none phenomenon. So they look at someone like me who's running up to 26 miles at a time, and they, they think, oh, I can't do that. But, you know, all you have to do is start walking around the block and all of a sudden crew the benefits. Dr. Vanderhorst, thank you for being my guest today. My pleasure. We've been discussing running with a passion. I am Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with the promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thank you, as always, for listening. You have been listening to Focus on Sports Medicine, part of this month's special series on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.